Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. And uh, we have been on quite the adventure, the journey, the roller coaster, the rocket, the sledgehammer, the spearhead, any, <laughs> any connective analogy we need to make is where we have been in this pedigree expose. Yeah. You know, this is really an expose season and time in the body of Christ, especially with a leader like Dr. Paula Price. Mm-hmm. Um, this November, which is tomorrow, uh, in a few weeks, you know, this is when we start breathing deeply. We're rolling into our annual New Era Apostleship Restitution Summit, our Near Apostolic Summit, Rise of the Mighty Ones, is where we are in November. Dr. Paula Price, as our main headline keynote speaker, myself, Apostle Ashley Clater, and Bishop Brian Keith Williams will be uh, addressing the state of the kingdom and the state of our future and how we got here. We are, we're going to do a, um, what's it called, a, a holistic autopsy <laughs> of where we are in the body of Christ. This is a very sobering time. And the, you could tell that the more sobering the times are, the more the pressure is to be emotional and be all over the place. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit in our audio archives. We, we were digging in the audio archives. Dr. Price has been uh, also leaping off into leadership training and development. And are we continuing that today? Yes. We're continuing that today. And today's audio archive is about wisdom. She is known for wisdom. She has said it. Wisdom is a hallmark of my mantle, and ideally, it's a hallmark of apostles and prophets everywhere. But that's not really the case just yet. But it is certainly one of hers. High, high level wisdom. Not all things in the body of Christ are equal in the same. And we really want people to feel a certain way. And again, she addresses that in today's audio archive of the week. But it's not that way. You know when you're under certain leaders and you receive different things. I love showing off what we teach in our school versus what people find on the market because many times what somebody has on the market is all they have. That is not the case for the one and the only Dr. Paula A. Price. 
I love when people say your whole name. Dr. Paula A. Price, I just love it. I love it, okay? So this, well, this is about Price University course program material and things like that. This book, and, and Dr. Price has been addressing now that you are a leader. Is that the right title? Okay. Now that you are a leader, her leadership book, manual. It's really a manual? Okay, look. <laughs> that she is rolling out, and we will be debuting at the summit. But those of us who have been with her for a long time, back in the day, she taught us out of another leadership book that is not on the market. And it is the World of Kingdom Leadership. I told you, see, I have access. I dig. I dig. I use my access, and then I fling it to our students and say, guess what? Guess what? The reason you want to enroll in Price University is to be trained from all of the books that are not on the market. There are books on apostleship not on the market and won't be on the market. They will be in Price University leadership books and manuals. Hello. That will not be on the market or maybe not in its totality or not in this form. No, we can do some things with materials. And others will be released on the open market. This is the difference between quality education and mentorship. Many people are mentored by Dr. Price's books and other people's, other people in the kingdom. You all will take pictures of your library and you have this one and that one and so on and so forth. And the, the, the giants in the kingdom who have guided you through their works, mentored you through their works, but there is no comparison between the two. I even said on my broadcast yesterday, well, the wisdom that I learned from Dr. Price directly and what happened to my life when I was in school are actually two different things. That academia provides a place for that mentorship, those pearls of wisdom, and that insight to land in a quality place and for you to do more with it. So mentorship without education is almost a waste because a lot of it will roll off. And you'll, yeah, you know, wow, that was so deep. That was so powerful. I mean, how many of you watch? Thousands of people watch Dr. Price every single month, every single week, and still you'll get a limited amount of results off of all of these pearls of wisdom. People come to our school, and it's a totally different level of fruit. Yeah because school does something that talking alone cannot do. And this is important, and this is making a difference. I will and by no means belittling this at all, but please don't think that it remotely compares to what this author can do to you. And I say to you, because it happens to you. Lesson, we have some students in the room. Things are happening to them so that God can get things done through them after the training process has been complete. But the World of Kingdom Leadership, she teaches, you know, I was joking with Apostle Nona on the phone the other day, so we you know the first 10 pages are the table of contents. <laughs> okay, so it's not 10 pages, it's like only like four in this book. But it's not a quarter of a page. And she talks about the three Bs of successful leadership orientation. Wouldn't you like to know what those are? You need to get trained. And she addresses and this, this book was written just so we can speak to longevity here and why the giants are giants for a reason, 1994. Because this was the same year as Constructing the Contemporary Prophets and God's Apostle revived. 
which we're still trying to break down. All right? So this initially was 1994, revised in 2006, the original Kingdom Leadership book, Purpose of Kingdom Leadership Orientation, and she goes through so many things, partaker of the divine nature. Oh, yes. Oh, and true to Dr. Christ's nature, multiple choice, true, false, in the book. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Primary leadership discussion points, what is a leader, what you need leadership training now that you are a leader. I just want to say 1994. Now that you are a leader is a discussion point. And it's going to be discussion point to a training manual all by itself. I'm just saying for the record, typical expectations required. Reactions. Reactions to your rise, which is what she was addressing last Thursday. Hit this fight for the things of God. Prophet Adia brought this up the other week. This is a part of this book that we had in the early 2000s when we were leadership training with Prophet Tala and then Dr. Price. You know, we had to prove ourselves one to get to the other. And she, <laughs> it's still true, though. I just want you to know. And when we went through that section about the hit this fight for the things of God, I think the entire class cried. You can tell because Prophet Adia brought it up the other week and nearly cried. Let me see. Well, we went through it in 2005, maybe? 2005, 2006? So she was still in her 20s. Who's going to say that? Early. Mm -hmm. And we sat there not believing that what we thought was our right and the resistance that we felt we had a right to feel about serving God was actually hidden despite for the things of God. Personal life changes. And we were in shock and never really recovered, honestly, because every time something pops up that rubs you the wrong way, God's like, remember that hidden despite for the things of God? And you're like, no, I thought I was over it. So that is that our audio archive is, and it'll be available tomorrow, but you don't feel wisdom. And this was from a Wisdom for Living, a Sunday morning, uh, Sunday school, really, that we did in early 2000. This is April 27, 2003. Dr. Price tied wisdom, the lack of wisdom, and emotionalism to the, what was the beginning rumbling of the sex change gender bender issue. 2003, it was it was just kind of kicking up. Now, you know, that had been around in the 80s and the 90s, very suppressed. You know, you the, that was a very suppressed groove underground with those kind of people. Now, it, we already know what, what they have turned it into now. But at that time, she was explaining in 2003 what the emotional strategy and tactic was to open the door for where we are right now. In 2003, I can't speak enough to the credibility of Dr. Price's mantle because genuine apostles, genuine prophets who are sitting in their office and not just running through a gift or operating at the gift level, speak into, as she teaches, God's future, the future of the kingdom, the future of the world, and not just the future of your bank account and your marital status. Because that's what we want to know. You know, they're, they're prophesying wealth. They're prophesying prosperity. They're doing this. They're doing that. 
But who's actually prophesying the whole story? I mean, somebody's always going to be wealthy somewhere, right? Is that really prophecy? <laughs> People post those things on Facebook. I prophesy marriages in 2020. You don't need to be a prophet to do that. That's a given. I, pro I prophesy divorces. I prophesy that there are people out there who lost everything and they're going to gain it back. That is, that's inevitable. I mean, many things that we're calling the refined prophecy of God are inevitabilities in life, period. No description, no uh, uh, points to bring it down, nothing exacting, just general blanket words just out there, just out there. So this she said, you don't feel wisdom. Wisdom is not a feeling. And she said, we don't have a clue how wisdom works. Here's her definition of wisdom, which I absolutely love. You said wisdom is having a skill in life that causes you to at least succeed and routinely excel. That's exactly what we did. That's good. Having the skill in life that causes you to at the very least succeed and routinely excel. People who are constantly excelling in life, constantly excelling, excelling, not just succeeding, but excelling in life, typically walk in a high level of wisdom. But I love that, the skills in life. Wisdom is tied to skills and then what to do with those skills. Life requires strategy. And she began to address how God uses strategy to accomplish what he wants. We say anointing. Don't we? We say anointing, and he says he demonstrates strategy. She was coming out of Proverbs 19, and how we have a natural uh, inherent resistance to pursuing and integrating wisdom. How do you know if you are actually resistant to wisdom? Because the true resistance doesn't necessarily show up in not asking. There are people who will ask a lot but do very little with the wisdom they receive. That's when you find out who actually does and does not have wisdom, possess wisdom, desire wisdom, or have an ounce to even know how to find it somewhere else. So it's not in the asking. And many times we can fall in love with the person, that, that student in the class who's asking all of the questions, taking up all the time, asking, up, asking all of the questions. But once you look and you realize, but they're doing very little with what they are asking for. It's the wisdom, you know, that just doesn't bear with me, my spirit. That's the universal charismatic opt-out with no explanation and with no wisdom behind it. Just doesn't bear witness with my spirit. It just doesn't line up with how I'm, you know, whatever. So that true wisdom is not just in the asking, but it's in the assimilating. I'm not even going to ask for wisdom from a source I don't trust. What's the point? So we ask questions, and then in Scripture, then you ask the myth, we're all over the place and don't see the results that we want. want. And she says, do you keep the reins of your own soul? Reigning in your own soul. Again, this is 2003, the inception season of what is now biblical psychology, the success center, all of these things. And I say that because a lot of times we can get very discouraged when God gives us this huge vision. And we want to just say it and be there in an instant and in a moment, especially with our social media.
15 minutes of fame, all I need to do is be Discover World. I can get up there so somebody can discover me. I've been saying this a long time, but when I can look back after 20 years of just myself being here, 20 years, and seeing this is where this started as a concept or a sermon, and this is what it took to make it an institution, that adjusts your expectations altogether. But again, that's wisdom. And she said, you decree how your soul will be affected by the external circumstances in life. And runs through a myriad of things. Knowledge enters the mind. Wisdom enters the heart. And we think everything is the mind and wisdom is in the mind, but it's in the heart. She said, your mind can change much more easily than your heart. Oh, you know, I was going to wear this outfit today. Oh, I changed my mind and put on something else. I'm just going to go here for lunch. Oh, I changed my mind. It slipped my mind. How many things slip our mind? We need, like, doors and gates and plugs in our mind, the way some of us talk about how things just slipped our mind. What is it slipping out of? Where's the open? Where's the hole? Where's the drain in your mind where things just slip out? But when somebody has a change of heart, that takes much longer. And that's how you know the heart that she teaches this near the heart governs the mind. Not the mind governing the heart, which is why Scripture tells us that out of the heart, everything, wisdom enters into the heart, out of the heart flow the issues of life, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. That lets you know that it's the heart that is really the pump that is sending everything, just like it is in the body. I'm sure it's no surprise that the heart is the, that one organ that sends that blood that touches everything in your body and on the surface of some level. And so she said, what your heart produces, your mind will ultimately utter. You want to really know what's in somebody's heart? Just let them talk. Let them talk. Let them talk. Let them talk. So many people are so broken. Their heart is so broken, their mouth can't stop running because they're broken in their heart. It's not about, you just need to be quiet. You just need to stop talking. Uh Uh-uh. They can't. Cannot. It's like they're bleeding out. When the heart is bleeding out, it usually is just the mouth going and going and going and going and going, like when somebody is naturally bleeding out. And if they're bleeding out internally, it takes a professional to say, something's wrong on the inside that we can't see on the outside, which is why we have all these wisdom classes. So we can accurately diagnose somebody bleeding out internally, sitting right there in a chair, looking normal as everybody else. Soul is a wreck, torn up all over the place, this heart crying out, soul crying out. They are acting out, flailing all over the place because of an internal rupture in the soul many times or in the heart. She said, your desires drive your decisions, tying that to Scripture. And God wants you to be in touch with your emotions, your, excuse me, your emotional thoughts and your mental thoughts. Recently, I believe, it may have been last Thursday when Dr. Price was talking about how there are people that you can trust ethically, but you cannot trust emotionally. They will be ethically pure, ethically honest, not doing things illegally, not doing it, but emotionally it's not the same story. And I remember this season, it was so funny listening to this. I was like, wow, I feel like back in that room. 
at one point when certain statements I remember, you can't remember everything, goodness, but certain statements I remember sitting there thinking, ooh, that's me. Ooh, that's definitely me. Wow, can people trust me emotionally? I mean, I thought about that for like three years. Can people trust me emotionally? Am I going to be a leader that is emotionally untrustworthy? Even though technically if your, your job may be sound, but people know once they cross you, don't offend, don't offend so-and-so. You know, once you get on their bad side, there's no point of return. There's no recovery. Once you ruffle their feathers, once you cross them, then you're on the blacklist forever. How many of us are those people or have been those people? I mean, come on. It's just the truth. And when you're in a leadership position, you have to realize that in ministry, in life, people are going to hurt you all the time. Offend you all the time. It's the running joke. We talk about but people who work in the hospital, in the ER, you can't be offended because somebody just puked on your shoe in the ER. They bled on my scrubs. Well, this is the place where people come to bleed. <laughs> or this is where they come because they are bleeding, because they are wounded, because they are injured. You can't punish people for coming to you for the purpose in which you exist. And so having these trainings really helps leaders in particular to not be that retaliatory, abusive person that you say you can't stand. The reason you just left the church, the reason you walked away from so-and-so's ministry, you end up being that person. And Dr. Price taught us years ago, you think you know how leaders got where they got. You think you know how they fell and why. You think you know how they became abusive and why. You don't know. And the more arrogant you walk around, the more pompous you are, the more ready-made you are to become that person. Because you just think it's not it's not you. It can't be you. It can't be me. No. She said your feelings are not your determinant. They are your registry. And that Satan has really programmed us to think that our emotions are the registry. I'm sorry, our emotions are the determinant, our feelings, and not the registry. That how we feel should determine what we do. And not that our feelings are an indicator of something else. Driven by our feelings, driven by our emotions, and don't be hyper-spiritual, because then everything, God is blamed for everything. Oh, my goodness. This apostle right here, this chiefest apostle, one of our apostles calls her the chiefest apostle, stories we saw years ago, chiefest apostle, would teach us, no, we are not blaming God for your emotionalism. No, we are not blaming the spirit. No, we are not blaming the anointing. You need to control your mantle. You need to rein that thing in. You need to get on your game. You need to grow up and mature. And this is why the training program is what it is. <laughs> Hallelujah. First of all, the training brings all that up in you to the surface. And then it grooms you to deal, manage, be delivered from, cleanse, whatever, sanctify, uh, depends on what it is, depends on what we do with it. You know, because not everything is supposed to go out of the door. And she said that, didn't that make you feel? All the lines that Satan uses, didn't that make you feel? Didn't that make you feel? Oh, God. First of all, we have to applaud our chief apostle today. Okay? She has this nasty, whatever cold thing, uh, we don't even know sinus, whatever that's running through flesh, we don't. And they, even when they tell us, we don't believe them. And she is here today in 
stuff pressed. So I want you to keep her lifted up in prayer because she's a champion today in making this happen. <laughs> And to press is a good word for it. Yes. And, uh, I woke up this morning, Lord said, press through. Amen. I said, oh, you know you got to press through in the Holy Ghost. You know what I mean? What are you going to do with that? Because you want to talk how sick you are. Of course, he doesn't know. He, he doesn't. He no. Lord, did you know? Did you not spend the whole week with, and a half with me? Okay. And so he allowed me to get out of bed today. With, and the house. And the house. Too. Yeah, because I could do both. Yeah. And told me to press through. And, and, and I would have been in hell because it's my nature. It's, uh, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm going to come back, I'm going to fight through, I'm going to press through. In order for him to keep me out, he had to literally take all my strength away. I couldn't even do anything. And I was like, God, oh, but i got to do stuff. No, you don't. Because, mm-hmm. no. mm-hmm. you know, you're always going to tell God what you got to do. Yeah. So I am here today. These are the times that I pre- appreciate my fruit. Yay, fruit. Yes. Carry the load, fruit. That's what you said. You, you know, some people just have some, um, what I like to call artificial fruit. It looks pretty in the, in the thing on the table. Oh, we had some before. Yeah, yeah. I had some basket. little basket of artificial fruit, but you couldn't even get free without it. No. You know? Not free without it. But um, the Lord has blessed me with good fruit. I have a powerful team. And I'm in love with God for giving me such a powerful team. And then, you know, where I was sure he just shipped them in, like he said he would do. So I have my three hosts who are my ship this. Also known as our studio audience. Yes. <laughs> and our roving student audience. And our roving audience. And our roving audience. And our student body. And our congregation. Okay. Um, because one of the things God is big on, and that, that is fruit. You know, we think that mm-hmm. um, because we're in a technological society uh, or an age, we don't have to be bothered with food, you know, True. because we're not agricultural like that. I mean, we're trying to kill the farmers, just, just really get every farmer off the planet. You know, you can tell that this agenda hates humanity. Yes. And I'm going to do a whole discussion about are you trending or are you hating? Because your trend may be someone else's hate campaign. Because everything you see about humanity is eliminated. Yeah. We don't think smart enough, we need machines. We don't feel deep enough, we need drugs. We need alcohol. Lots of drugs. Lots of drugs, alcohol. You know, we're not smart enough, we're uh, we're not uh, um, um, astute enough, we're not sensitive enough, we need mind-altering this and that. We need meditation. We need to, our minds are not good enough, so we need to just shut them down, just blank them out, and just let anything that's in the spirit realm just come in and use our faculties at will. I want to tell you something. The pedigree project and the pathway I've been on is 100% about why that doesn't pertain to Christians. 100%. Now, you know, you're dealing with the whole Darwin thing, you know, the whole evolution thing, the whole monkeys are better thing, the whole we can't get, we can't wait to get humanity off the planet so the animals can run them up. Well, why do you want humanity off the planet? Because animals can't push back on them. Yeah, they're always used by They're always used by devils. So we can get humans back. We can get back to before God, in the beginning, God said it. He says he must have loved this little dark swamp because he keeps trying to get back to it. And he thinks if he pulls our enlightenment, he can pull the enlightenment of the one great 
the one seed, the one strand that carries the Godhead. You know, so I woke up this morning and God said so clearly to me. Um, I need something. Yeah, I need something. I knew I needed something. Maybe I need something. But God woke. I woke up this morning. And, you know, family, we family by now. So, you know, I already told you I'm pressing through because I have faith in God. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, um, but he said to me, tell them, he said, uh, you know, since we did that last pedigree when we did Revelation 12 about Christ and heaven and everything is, and, and heaven, everything is Christ, he said, Christianity is the offspring of the Godhead. Mm. Oh, no. So I'm going to tell you right now, I'm, I, I want you to understand. I need you to join me. Join me in my campaign. Join me in God's mandate. We are the heroes of the year. We are the heirs. We are the owners. We are the possessors. Because we are the only, the only gene, the only pedigree is 100% lost. Everything else is about dying. And you don't know Dr. Christ. Dr. Christ, Christians die. Yes, Christians die, and yet we don't. The Bible doesn't even talk about us dying when you read it. It talks about us relocating, talking about us passing over. And you, you hear that said in, with the, uh, the other ones, well, you know, we pass over to Yeah, but it's the corruption that just, in other words, passing over, there's no benefit to this. Because you, you, you have to pass from death to life in this world, not in the hereafter. In the hereafter, it's judgment. What you did with what, you, what God gave you. So when, I'm telling you, I cannot, I told Jesus when I finally got my head around before the garden, 14 a bit, on and on and on, I said, you know, Jesus, I said, talk about creation's best kept secret. Christ did us the hope of glory. We haven't begun to touch that thing. We haven't even been able to scratch it. We can't scratch and sniff it. We're trying to get to scratch. And so I'm going to be on that journey as typically every Sunday. I will be on the journey with the pedigree because I realized I thought I was just getting a little sermon, little Sunday sermon. But I want you to know our honey man, Jesus Christ, you know, you got to call him honey man when he does that stuff. Our honey man, Jesus Christ, sugar pie Jesus, he said, you thought you had a dot. He said, and I gave you a universe. Because, baby, I understand all, I understand the moral issues, I understand the comments, I understand the evil shows, the wicked shows. I'm telling you, blessed be God Almighty, I'm telling you, I can walk this thing up the front and down the and I'm going to walk you right into heaven with it. Wow. That's where we go with the pedigree. And we're going to go in rich and powerful. Talk about we are a, a royal priesthood and don't and we preach to Satan. Are you kidding me? No. Mm-mm. I have to tell them regularly, you don't own me. And my side won. I don't know what to tell you. My side won. And I am not being bad. I'm not bowing down to the loser. I'm so stirred with the church today that we bow down to he who lost the battle. Why are we worshiping he who lost? 
You think about it. You lost, son. You lost in heaven. You lost on earth. You lost beneath the earth. And you lost when the man rose from the dead. And if you stayed on the planet, you probably could take him out again or take, at least take him on again. And you know what? He went to heaven. We are it. Now, they can talk about inclusionism. They can talk about diversity. They can talk about us being one. Let us all be the same. We can't be the same because they did and we're alive. I love being a Christian. People just ask me, how how do you do I didn't even know how much I loved it until I started learning it. You might love it too when you learn it. You know? Because that's what worked for me. I started learning what was in God's mind and what God wanted to get done. So we're going to stay on pedigree. We are the pedigree of the Godhead. Don't mess with me. I got a hit song. See, even that, they still numb in the audience. I'm the pedigree of the Godhead. I'm the best God made. He saved his best in Jesus. He didn't just save it for the, for, uh, the last. He saved his best in Jesus Christ. My sugar. Yeah. And I'm telling you one thing God said to me. I was ministering with him this morning, and he said to me, I said, you know, God, I said, you just so opened my mind, so exp- exploded my understanding. My thoughts are so fast, I got to catch up. I was like, wait, hold on, let me figure you out before you pass on. And he said to me, tell them it's a privilege for me to open your understanding. It's not an obligation. I'm not obligated to open up anything. Which is why you hear it from one person and not another. And when he opens it, you have to take your time and pay attention to him because God, you are still just not going to do anything else. But he said the veil is taken away in Christ. And as long as you are, you know, because we like the, the Old Testament Christians and the, the, the black Hebrews, he said, but as long as you continue reading Moses, you're blind to, the, to life. He said, because the veil is taken away in Christ. Wow. Isn't that powerful? Sugar pie, Jesus. I'm telling you, I love this man. You know he's a honey man. I'd be like, God, just make something sugar. He said, I talk to you because you listen. He said, and I keep coming back to you because you use what I said, which is what she was talking about when she was talking about wisdom not too long ago. So as we go forward, I, I, I'm moving into, I'm, I'm bridging pedigree with leadership because if we are a royal priesthood, the word royal means ruling, not pageant. God has no figurehead. Because he wrote a purpose and a destiny for everything he brought into existence. Even the figurehead, our purpose is to be a figurehead. God has no figurehead. And so you need to recognize, and he, you know, he doesn't just give you pet names. When he gives you a pet name, you understand that it is a, a very uh, endearing term to him, that he expects to manifest something for his glory, to exemplify him in some way. So I'm on this leadership thing because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the reason we lost the world is because the leaders who took it are gone and then teach us how to keep it. I said to you last week, leadership is about how you get the privilege to multiply, manifest and multiply how you make your life successful. We live in a state now where people's lives 
far too many people's lives are 100% unsuccessful. Whether it's stagnant, whether it's demolished, we do things that demolish your soul. When I was reading, studying a, um, about the, the prophets of, of Israel, you know, the, the author of the book I read, Klaus Koch, said, but sin is the demolishment of the soul. So they don't have to take out America. We don't need them. We don't need another terrorist right now. We really don't. And I'll tell you why. The, the culture that has been crafted will demolish the soul so the soul can't keep the country. I, I did a, a talk on that, you know? Uh, so we think that, yeah, well, you know, they're going to invade it. When they, no, when they invade, it'll be cleanup time. Because you have a country that can't stay sober. You have a country that passed laws to make sure that you don't want to be sober. We have a country that can't stay clean. We have a country that can't keep family together. You understand the things that make a that made America what it is have all been legislated out of existence and rendered illegal if you attempt them. I'm telling you that. The whole, back, the whole basis of this thing is getting rid of Christ. And we get rid of Christ by getting rid of his children. And we get rid of his family by making them feel inferior for being different. I'm going to hear something again. <laughs> That's not good. That's not really good. See, as long as you feel insecure about being the answer to the world's problems, Christianity is enslaved. We want to be like them. I don't. I was like them. That's why I got saved. I don't have to worry about backsliding and sinning because I got saved to stop being like that. I got saved to stop being a pawn to an whole force of invisible powers that mean me no good. So I didn't get saved to be Satan for the Christ labor. Many of y'all are satanic, and you won't say it. And if you don't think, and say, I, I don't care if you get mad because you get mad, maybe you look it up, maybe you look at some of the things you believe and weigh them against your belief system and your value system and find out, you know what? I'm a satanic Christian. Which means I'm not a Christian at all. Because Jesus is not sharing your vessel, He's not going to do that. He's like, I'm too good. Besides the fact that when Jesus shows up, things just start getting in order. Even if you don't want them in order, you just start, they just start moving. Oops, oops, they get, oops, they get, oops, 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 right? I got to fix this. <laughs> because the creator, same power that brought it into existence, is always on the move for correcting. Just like we have with our computers. You see, they're always scanning. They're always scoping us out. They're controlling, surveilling. Why? To fix this. To make sure that so if anything invades it, it gets rid of it. Honey, Satan needs you far from God. Because the minute you show up, you will, you know, your devil's going to act like they did with the pig. Did you come to my back before I die? You're going to get that pig response. It's not our time. Trust me. Jesus walked up to devils. He didn't even say hello. He just walked up. The man was getting out of the boat. The devil was all crazy to tell me, get him out of here. Come on, now, let's go move. Come on, uh-uh. Holy Ghost, nope. He said, right here, we came for you. Express it. Isn't that powerful? The eyes 
I'm not, because we're going to argue whether Elijah was with God or God. You know, I happen to think Satan is God, but I'm looking at Halloween telling you his life. Satan's whole birthday celebration telling you he ain't God. You know, Jesus comes up and says, you know, uh, I'm going to give you a, a, a vision. Jesus gives vision, Satan gives nightmares. He tells you he gives nightmares. Doesn't he not say that? We got nightmare castle. We got nightmare this and nightmare that. God gives life, Satan gives you both. Oh, see, y'all don't think of it like that. See, so Satan's Halloween. We, we, we listen. They have a chance to take over the media, arguments, entertainment. What is it all about them? He's telling you he can't deliver what Christ delivered. And he's glamorizing it. He's dramatizing it. But he can't deliver. See, you can talk all day long with me about, I just say, but why are you playing in dirt? My, my, my Bible says that my God came up the man who was bound by the devil and he was sitting in his right mind with some clothes on. Why are you naked and to the grave? Because your God can't deliver. Your God can't deliver. He can't deliver life. He shows you every single day in every form of life. You're talking about, you want to sit there and talk about, well, you know, I'm tired, but, I mean, the, uh, Christian is, is restricted. Honey, death is more restricted than anything. You all got to come. You cannot say nice things about people. You hate each other. You're full of envy. You're full of everything that destroys a human being, that destroys a soul, and destroys a country. And you want to talk to me about Jesus Christ? Now, now Satan shows me every day he failed. Every day he lost. Every day. Every day. And you all are running around with that. But I just think that it is. I mean, but at least he lets you be free. No, he just lies to you about what freedom is. Because you got it. That's why we all feel addicted to drugs now. That's freedom. See? Free to do good. So you're free to be addicted. But see, the church was supposed to be the solution to that. And instead, he worked a campaign that was amazing. And that is the spirit of inferiority. And like a teenager, we want to be like our friends. Like a teenager, we want to be like the nation. So that God had this Israel off their whole land trying to be like the nation. There's some things that we have to know to be facts. And you have to take the leader. We don't want to talk about this. Well, I'm sorry, but I just, I just don't think, I, I just think it's religious. Oh, really? When you're dressing up for Valentine's Day, when your kids are walking up and down the street with devil costumes on and begging for candy? Begging demons for candy. They got to dress up for the demon, pay homage to the demon, look like the demon in some fake plastic wear to get a piece of candy from the, come on, thanks for God. I'm going to need y'all to get sanctified. This is crazy. And you you sitting there, we got tree or trunk. You want to have your kids digging in an autumn trunk so that they don't feel bad through inferiority because they don't feel bad about it. Well, yeah, but we get some cut kids in and, and they some of them just say, no, if you have to buy their salvation with some candy, you ain't buying nothing but a business. Oh, 
I'm like, you got to, you, you sitting there got a refrigerator full of food and your kids running up and down the street paying homage to devil or candy. But if that was bad, how about Adam? Am I showing up here? No, I think you're about to. Okay, I'm getting this. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, first of all, ask, ask your children what Halloween is. And find out how many of them will say it's Satan's birthday. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're a creative being, you don't have a birthday. Because you weren't born. He was created. You wear a book. So where you going with a birthday? <laughs> yeah, I'm going there. You know, my, my 10 days of warfare did me some kind of good. And I'm coming in the day, and I said, how can, how, he said, can Satan have a birthday? He said, Lucifer didn't have a birthday. As Lucifer, he was not born. He was created, brought into existence like the rest of the angels. You know, the Bible said God formed Adam's body, but he begot him in spirit. So your kids are celebrating a false holiday for a fallen deity, not even a deity, for a fallen creature, because not a deity. He made himself a deity in this world, and in order to make himself a deity, he had to become darkness, because all of the deity roles in the light were filled. You need to get yourself a car. Get yourself a black box over there. That's what you need. See, he had to become, he, in order to become a, a fallen deity, a dark deity, a deity of doom, he had to leave the light because all of those positions were filled. So in order for him to call himself a God, he had to break away from the light of the God that made it. In doing so, I guess things went a little more awry than he imagined. Hallelujah. And um, everything started not having light. He realized taking away the light, things started shriveling up, things started weakening, things started evaporating, things began to disintegrate because we took away the light. So now he has to do what? He has to concoct alternatives. Because, you you know, God has regenerated this planet. He's given you a work release for you to go and deceive the nations when you try to deceive the celestial and the heavenly. So now everything about him is gone. Now, he just, you know, those moments of angels and light, you know, he, he tried, but you know, if you if you borrow someone else's life, you pretty much are gonna run out. So you, you kind of face it out and you meter it out. Now I'm saying this to Christians because I'm trying to tell y'all, you all have bought the sorriest bill of goods I've ever seen. I'm looking at young folks thinking, "Wow, we cool because we all dressed in black." And I'm like, "You realize that that means the light ain't talking to you, and the light's not supplying you." And you're becoming what has already been a failure. There's no way. I mean, he has no hope. I know you have those people that's praying for God to save Satan. Well, he didn't make Satan. Satan made Satan. 
God made Lucifer quit. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> because this woman, because God made a cherub, and the cherub transformed himself into a dragon, into a serpent, into a devil. He said, this is, this, now this is the best he could do. That's why Halloween is full of all of the dragons and all of the demons and all of the devils, devils and monstrous and monstrosities. Because he had no resources. He found out as good as God made him look, God didn't make him God. You see, God will make you look so good. Can he make you look good? You just know you're it. I'm it. I'm getting both. I'm just, mm, mm. And he makes you look powerful. Like you look at your great ministers of old, and, and they were powerful. And they stopped the thinking it was theirs. You know, that, that began with, 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 with Lucifer. He thought God made him look good, powerfully and potently equipped him for his work and his up. He became the man. He said, your, your success misled you. You were lifted up because of your wisdom. Because God will make you look good. And then he does it for such a long time, you kind of think, well, God probably agrees with me. I'm afraid. Until God empties out what he wants. You know, why is God long-suffering? Because he's emptying out what he wants. So he does it in God's realm. Adam does it in the garden. Moses does it at Meribah. Shall we bring water out of this rock for you? Really, Lord, come on. <laughs> come on. And he said, and what did God say? He said, but you didn't have on this. See, God doesn't mind allowing you to share his radiance, his brilliance. There's that promise that. But what he does have a problem with is lying. And taking the glory to yourself is a lie. And there's nothing that's going to come from lying but doom, death, and destruction. That's just the way it is because a lie is a falsehood. And falsehood means it's material, cannot sustain the realities of truth. So here we are. Some of you all went to work with your little thing there and whatnot. Yeah, and now I want you to feel real uncomfortable because I want you to understand to hear the four folks and say, well, you know, that's the, if God gave you that grace, I'm not saying that I am an apostle. And my job is to regulate kingdoms. That's my job. Now, other apostles may have another piece of it, but in the piece that God gave me, and consider how wise he made me and how much he's endowed me, I got a pretty good swat. So you go in the spirit and, and, and you misleading the sinners, making them think that Jesus is okay. You misrepresenting the Christ of your Christianity. You're misrepresenting that. You got your kids' little outfit all out in the rain last night, trying to get an outfit out in the cold, want to make sure that they don't feel uncomfortable. You got some little black and orange cookies and cupcakes and carrying on because you got to celebrate Satan's birthday. And these are the same attitudes and the same values that make God say, hey, you run with him. If he's your God, what is it like to say, bail me, God, serve him. But if God be God, if Yahweh be God, then serve him. But stop wavering between two opinions. 
You either belong to the prince of darkness or the prince of light. Because many of us don't know that Peter said Jesus is the prince of light. Jesus brought light to planet Earth because it was not. We will talk about that another time. So why am I saying this? Because we are, if we are a nation of kings and priests to God or royals and, and a royal priesthood, then we should know what that means. What does that look like? There is an attitude. There is a mindset. There is a sound of the voice that comes with you being bumped up to that stadium. There is a sound. The sound of a well-educated, well-groomed leader can be echoed out in a room. You can hear it. They open their mouth, and you hear it. You don't know what to call that sound, but it's commanding, it's compelling, and it is correct. And it leads you into the right way. The mind of a leader is a very peculiar mind. Now, again, we've been talking about the difference between the trained leader and the born leader. But everything on earth is about leadership because it's about life. Once you got more than one person, one was a leader, the other was a follower. That's Adam and his wife. Okay? And so Satan could only lead in the darkness. He, was, he had nothing else to lead with until he mastered Adam, at which point things changed. So we're leaders. What does a leader think like? What does a leader feel like? I'm telling you, I can pick my leaders by their conversation. Even if they need, like, much development. (laughs) (laughs) So they had leaders. Everyone, we're all leaders in some way because the first thing we need is our life. And it's the life leadership lessons and experiences and successes or aspirations that you have or what you bring into. You bring into your professional leadership role. So we're going to look at that. So we know that Jesus imparts us as from Jesus Christ. There you go, Jesus Christ and Paul Christ. Yeah, I'm going to act just like that. Because you know what? We got enough people dogging, treating him like he's nothing. Yes, I am. I'm going to be all kinds of mushy. Yes, I am. I'm going to be mushy with him, and I'm going to be honey. He's going to be honey man. I'm going to be blessed up. I'm going to tell all the stories. Yes, I am. I'm going to stand for this man. I'm going to, yes, I am. I'm going to glorify him. Yes, I am doing it. So I'm letting everybody know, don't be sick, because I'm going to tell them the truth, the whole truth, the Holy Ghost truth. I'm not going to tone down Jesus. That's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. Don't don't invite me to dinner if you got issues with that, because I'm going to say, hallelujah, sugar man, honey man, I love you so much, bless you, Jesus. You know how y'all cuss? (laughs) I bless. Come on. So I want you to understand that. I'm not back down on anything that is God. I understand that we got a lot of preachers who are backing down off homosexuality, and we don't want to just, I'm telling you, I sit in heavenly places. I sit on high. I ain't backing down. I'm not recanting nothing. I don't care about the sending out on cookie wrappers. Put me some cookies out there, Sam. You know, little, 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 little shiny cookies. This is my God. I'm not doing it. Because God needs one. God needs one. God needed one Jesus. 
And one Jesus reproduced billions. One Jesus, one man that stood there and said, beat me if you want to. Thorn crown me if you must. Nail me if you have to. And kill me if that's the, the end. He said, but understand, when you kill me, that's the last you can do. You can't do anything else. That's why God says, you know, once they take your life, they got nothing. And they take your life, and then God decides to bring you back like Lazarus. You know, sickness took him. He said, I'm not done. He's still my friend. Come up out of here. Come on here. Bring you back. Little girl, 12-year-old, bring you back. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And so God decides to bring you back. Then he will. You know, a lot of people say, yeah, but we prayed all night long. Yeah, but some of those people tell us that's going to be any better to God the second time around than they were the first time. They didn't think that, I mean, they couldn't get to church, couldn't get to church on time, couldn't pay tithes, couldn't be served the Lord, couldn't do it. No, God's like, if you got now, what's the point? I, God works masterful things for his glory. And they asked him, well, why, why did you give this guy his sight? For the glory of God, he was born blind for me to give, have something to do when I got here to show people that God could, you know, fill up the gifts like the black. So a lot of you all have those things. Like these people got secret lives. They didn't have girlfriends, boyfriends. They didn't have all kinds of stuff in secret. They didn't rob God and ripped off people. And you say that somebody, he's a good man. No, you just didn't get a good view. See, so you need the God view of something if you're going to talk about that. So I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not, my name ain't like the rest of these people. I'm a street girl from Newark. Holly. And I ain't backing down. I'm not doing it. I'm not backing down. And because I won't back down, all of y'all going to see the glory of God because he's going to show up. Because when God gets one person, then let him show up. And I'm not the only one. I'm talking about me because he's got some powerful people out there. It's like, I don't care. Jesus is Lord. He's God. And this planet belongs to him. And in a minute, he's going to show up in this planet cutting us. That is a foregone conclusion. God just needs somebody to be there to catch what he wants to keep. So I'm a catcher. I'm a keeping catcher. Not just a seeking catcher. I'm a keeper. So God needs us to be there to catch what he wants to keep. That's all he said. He wasn't concerned. You think God was, but he does not trust me. God is, he told me, he said, I'm ready to wrap this up. And you know, he said about that board, I'm, I'm ready to wrap this up. And I thought, well, what does that mean? That's what we're going to do. We're going to wrap up. Look, hard reset. Wrap it up. I'm, he's, I'm ready to get my people out of here, and I'm ready to be done with this planet. Now, granted, when, you know, in God's parlance, that could still be another 500 years. <laughs> <laughs> And, or a thousand, you know, stay with the Lord a thousand years. But he is, his, his campaign, his mode and his modus operandi is about wrap up and taking down everything that's going to stop the generation he wants to move us to the end. And so, you know, because we act like, well, he's a loving God. God is a loving God, period. God loves so much destroying Egypt so he can get Israel. See, God is incentivized. He's got incentives. And so we think his incentives is our little church and our little home, our little family dinner, our little Sunday. No, 
God's got a plan, a goal, that he's got to do things for us. And we want to keep them in this little old church mode of daddy sitting up on the pulpit listening to us sing, watching us play games, listening to us do our recitation. And that's what we want. We don't want to imagine this man being the sovereign of creation. We don't want to deal with the real Jesus. I told Jesus the other day, I said, you know, Jesus, the closer we get to you, I mean, I love you dearly and stuff, but, you know, you alive. <laughs> Anybody else ever say that to me? Like, you know, Jesus, you're not the guy I'm thinking I'm visiting on Sunday. He was like, you are a, and, and God is rough. He is rough. He is tough. He is ready. He is mighty. And every time I try to get, but Lord, that's what I am, what I am. Oh, okay. I'm, I got it. We're not ready for the man that has kept himself alive and his world going and a planet moving since before there was time. We, we, we're not ready for this man. This man is like, uh, this is my planet. I said, but God, well, why are you letting, he said, I told you, I need keeping reapers. See, we are, see, God has had that. You know, we've had all of these wonderful charismatic moments. And what happened? People went weak, came back joyous. Shut in. Oh, joy is washed over me. Baby, God is not about joy. We don't think God's over the military. We don't think he has an army. Yet, Michael and Gabriel said that they fight and they have an army. And so we don't think God even has an army. Well, God is not a God of war. I don't know why. He said I'm a man of war. He said it. Well, God doesn't believe in weaponry. You know this little fake you know, let's disarm the, the good citizens so the bad citizens can beat us up. You know, gun laws. I'm like, first of all, a criminal, can I just say, a criminal don't care about law. So they didn't need you to have a law. That's why they got guns. And that's why they're shooting them. See, that's why they're killing them. This, all of these gun laws, not about us. Trust me. They don't care about that. Well, what about the little boy who started? How many of them do we have versus how many criminals? Yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's the way, well, it's just too easy for kids to get guns. Who's selling them? Criminals. Who doesn't care that there are laws against selling them? Criminals. Right. Who doesn't care that they haven't signed up and got a permit for the gun? Criminals. So guess what a criminal is? A criminal. A criminal is a lawbreaker. See, that's why they law. So we are sitting here, and all of you all, because y'all listening to these little demonic pacifists, and it's like, yeah, but you know, my son was killed for the gun. Was they killed by a criminal? Because the law wouldn't have stopped the criminal from killing nobody. Because the laws have not stopped criminals from killing. So all of this kind of crazy gun law stuff, y'all buy that hype if you want. There is another reason why they're disarming America, and you need to figure out what it is. Now, I don't have a gun. I can't shoot a, a, a student shot. I'm going to say it right now. <laughs> and I can't. I, if I hit it, I'm sure that I would be one of them accidental folk. I'm sure. 
Baby, because I'm, I'm going to aim north and they're going to go to the equator. But I don't I don't appreciate being lied to as if I can't think. Criminals are going to break these gun laws because that's why they're criminals. So you're, you're going to sit there and treat us like we're the criminals because we want to protect ourselves. Criminals will not obey the law. That's why they're criminals. That's why we have laws. That's why we have laws, judicial systems. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So don't buy the lie that if we can make all of the, all of the lawful citizens weaponless, that the criminals are going to just have mercy on them and be so compassionate and just turn in their weapons. Criminals are going to be criminals. We have a criminal government. We got a criminal system. We got, I mean, come on, we got criminal governments around the world, do we not? And, and I'm thinking, do y'all really think we're buying this? And I thought, there are people who buy it. And they got all of these shows, and there's some these little shows about it. Oh, because, you know, to sell a crisis, you got to sell it as a calamity. So once you market the calamity, you can now legitimize the crisis. So we watch all of these shows about the one little boy that found the so-and-so, found the gun in the daddy's thing. Of, first of all, a responsible person, kids probably won't know the answer. That's number one, if they're responsible. If they're not responsible, they're probably criminal. They probably have the gun illegally. And if, it's, if they have the thing illegally, they're a criminal. No matter how you get around it, criminals are not going to be tied down by law. That's why they're criminals. You know, we need to stop acting as if somehow or another these things are, no, these laws are your exercises at utility. Criminals are going to do a crime. And then, so, so, well, I just think, no. Now, if you want to tell me you want to prove to me you're doing well, then go after the, com- the gun maker. And then go after the gun seller. And then get over there on those shores and go after the gun uh, importer. Then we're talking. But sitting there binding up and jeopardizing and putting their average decent citizen at risk who wants to protect themselves, I'm sorry, that is a con that with a major proportion. I mean, that's a con. I don't care what anybody said. The devil's a lie. That's a con. And I'm telling you, look how they conned us. I mean, we, they conned us about homosexuality. Oh, look at them. They just love each other. Now what is it? Now we're talking about kindergartners getting homosexual classes. They conned you. America, you need to stop buying the political con. Because all of this here is a gender con. We went from, well, we just want them to be, be free to love, to now they're out the closet and they come, they ran out the closet and ran into the government. Making laws. Con. And somebody, I said we need to have a political party called Exposing the Con. For real. Because th- this is what we're doing. And so when we think about it, now we're talking about all of this here, all of this wickedness and evil, isn't it horrible? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I'm going to say this first thing. See, I know y'all thought I forgot. And this is what you're celebrating on Satan's birthday. This is the con. We went from Roe v. Wade being the one woman whose husband just made her have a baby and she didn't feel like having a baby because she was married with him or he had, you know, they had some rip-off sex or something. I don't know. But well, when you marry, it can't be raised. It's got to be rip-off sex. Because the essence of marriage is not a piece of faith. 
So I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm not certainly not for rip off nothing, but let's call it what it is. It's not rape because you because you just feel like having sex on Tuesday the 13th. Rip off sex. Because, see, what, if, if next month you have a great month, is what is it then? What are we calling it? Celebration. Celebration. See? So it's permitted sex. So we have rip-off and permitted sex. And I don't care. She, uh-uh. You ain't been in that room. You don't know how people play. And, if, and some, of that, some of these people know how they play. Now, I'm not saying that, that some of that stuff is not horrible, but you know what? We got a, a nasty culture. It's nasty. It's just a nasty culture. And we got it from cultures that were supposed to be transformed by us. And instead, they transformed us. I'm still looking at me like this. Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> Prophet Angela says the silence said just in. <laughs> 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 well, marriage is a covenant. You know? And when the way God measures marriage, because God measures every marriage after the first one, do No? And he wasn't talking about just the first walk down the aisle. Because remember, God measured marriage according to sex, which is why Satan needs it. Not paper, no certificate. All of that came later, and it only came later because of property, not for the legitimacy. So, you said, you know, I listen to a lot of women, y'all. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, you out there, Just remember, I'm recuperating. I'm recuperating. <laughs> 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 but, you know, you all talking about, I'm waiting for a husband. And y'all have been with three, four, five minutes. Some of you ten minutes. Some of you have already had your virginity taken. You gave that to somebody that you didn't want to be a wife to. You just wanted to be a bedmate. See, God remembers. Because I said to God, I said, but God, it's a whole lot of women. Now I'm trying to help them out. God said to me, these women are not virgins. They have not been sanctified to me. He said, not in heart, not in spirit, not in soul. I said, well, okay. He said, their dating life has already made that they did not trust me to give them a husband. Mm-hmm. So they had fun, and he said they played while they waited. Oh, okay. Because you all are mad with God. Y'all sitting there all fussing up with God. Yeah, but I, I want to be married. You were. 14, 16, 18, 21, 23, 30, 35. What did you think that was? Why do you think Satan needs us like that? Because he needs to spread his seed. So he needs all of that free stuff. And he needs you restless and unhappy and miserable all the time. God's like, no, 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 don't act like I didn't give you. Because, see, you know, what you call marriage, y'all, you, what you want is a wedding. That's very different. You want a wedding. You ain't trying to have a husband. Because you're not trying to submit to me. Because you won't submit to me. I said, oh, okay, Jesus. 
So I'm going to tell y'all right now, because some of y'all like, I've been waiting for my husband. I mean, after all, I've repented, and I, yeah. And your repentance, what did God say? Your repentance is for you. Not for me. He said, your righteousness is for you. <laughs> he said, I'm righteous. I didn't need to repent. I don't need to repent now because I'm taking my time. For God to get, uh, to walk you into that and say, I'm going to do this, God does everything according to his divine purpose. He told you that. He said, I'm not doing it because you yell. I'm not doing it because you scream. I'm not doing it because you laugh. Because I, I want you to understand, I'm God whether you live or die. As a matter of fact, I'm the reason you do both. I'm God. And that is what we're going to find out as we go forward. You know, and we went from wanting the debating game, being women in waiting, to being bouncing boobs and bouncing butts and body cops. Because God, and you want to impress God with you needing a mate, dressing like a fallen God. God, let, let, your, let your goddess marry you, because I ain't doing it. Let your devil marry you. Let Cupid do it. Let Apollos do it. Let Diana do it. Let Venus do it. Because those are the ones that you are dressing up for. And those are the ones you're pandering to <coughs> to have your way. He said, I'm not doing it. I'm telling y'all right now, I'm not doing it. Because he already told you, we got in this mess because of man. My God. We keep acting like we did, like marriage is the most quintessential thing about it. It's not. It's not. He's just sick of it. He wants the whole thing done. He's done with it. It's the messiest institution. It's messy in, in the church. It's messy in the world. It's messy. And people mess over each other and blame it on him. And then you kick it to the curb and you go do it again. You got five husbands, six husbands. And you think God's going to give you another one? You better be scared to get married a seven time because you're going to know that one came from a devil. Oh. I'm recuperating. Just saying. So if God graces you, it is for his purpose, not yours. He doesn't care about you being lonely. He said, I have sent you a comforter. I don't have to worry about you being lonely. Now, if you don't want to be comforted by my spirit, I don't know what to tell you. I don't have to comfort you any more than I did. I don't care about you needing money. I told you that all I've given you, everything that pertains to I don't care about your complaints, your criticism. Stop lodging them. He told me, tell them, stop praying that to me. I don't want to hear Stop. Give me something that I can work with. Not because you don't want to roll over to a cold and diddle with the heating blanket. <laughs> I don't know. I, I told you I'm recuperating. It's coming out. This is my cold coming out. <laughs> but I want you to understand, and that's male or female. You keep telling me, well, I'm just waiting for the white, white woman. God said, why you plowing through everyone that you want by? You're not waiting. You're not waiting. You're auditioning. You're trying. You're not waiting. Because if you were waiting, when you wait for a bus, you don't walk to work. Oh, you want to come up next, Jerry? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. She said, you want to come up next? Up there? Like on that? 
I'm just telling you, these are all of the things that we, the church, are backing. We're going to come out of Halloween, and we're going to go into Cupid's purpose. Mm-hmm. And see, I'm t- look it up. Well, it's Sam Hayes. No, no, no. They have a wonderful, I've got to get the name of this one, a wonderful documentary on Netflix that talks about the place in Scotland, Ireland, the, how all of that began. If you can find that, put that on our site so that people can go to it. And so when you realize that it was all about the gods coming and going in the planet, and needing us to do the rituals to do it. So you're doing rituals to bring other gods into the planet because God don't have enough to work, work with. You see, I'm sorry, and I'm never going to do it. Like people come back, you know, people come to my church, I'm like, no, we don't do this. Um, the kids come to the top of the day, uh-uh, we don't do it. No, we don't even think it. We don't. We don't. You should know that. And you all should know, Halloween is not a holiday. There's nothing holy about it. Halloween is a celebration of the God of the dead. And they tell you that. Everything is about death. Everything is about drugs. Everything is about destruction. Everything is about um, um, demonism, deviance, doom. You like doom? In the night of the doom. Okay. Everything is about that, and you're going to sit there, and the next morning, you're going to wake up from your little Halloween celebration, and you're going to ask God to help you with your hangover. Mm-hmm. Sugar crash. Yeah, sugar crash. Yeah, because you've been begging for candy. Yeah. And if you're an adult, you're going to have to wake up and ask God to help you with the orgy. Lord, I don't even know what I did last night, because it's all about sexual orgy. So you, whether you all agree with me or not, because you know, I have, we do have those people that say I'm, I'm legalistic. And I'm thinking, so Satan's laws for Halloween don't count? Those are laws. You've got to be a witch. You've got to do witchery. You've got to do drugs. You've got to do infertility. You've got to do sexual orgies. You've got to dress up in a costume. You've got to cuss. You've got to shed blood. You, those are all laws. Mm-hmm. Y'all, y'all say well, I think too that we have so commercialized it and made it for the kids to have fun, to be the veneer in front of everything you just talked about, because that's really what the holiday is all about. And we're like, the kids should just have fun, and not that, no, there are real witches and devils and people making real sacrifices and doing real things on this holiday while they're letting everybody be distracted with the little children who should have fun. Mm-hmm. And how about this? But now the adults are acting like the kids. Okay. So now they're driving you back to puberty. Well, you back to childhood. People go to work in costume. You're going to all these professional places where people look like who knows what. I'm telling you, when you go to the airport, some of these little, the little, little, you, you, and you got to worship Halloween because the airport person, the airline you chose wants to, yeah. you know, yeah. or the business you've chosen, yeah. you want to. That's not free will. That's not even fair. But you're talking about adults dressing up like children, yeah. pretending to be some dead creature, some dead thing for the sake of having a hot night of drugs and sex. Mm-hmm. 
go out to get drunk out of their mind, drunk out of their mind, vomit all over the place, remember for their vomit, poop all over the place, remember for all of the things that a child does because they can't help it, and say, boy, I had a blast. You don't even know if you had a blast. If I can remember what your life was. Hallelujah. But you like to say something because, you know, we, we, we do have to help it. Okay, I like how you talked about uh, you get rid of Christ by getting rid of his children. I think that was really important that you said that today. Uh, we're seeing that so much now. Um, just in the body of Christ, we're seeing the transformation of the Christian, you know, the transformation of the churchgoer, the transformation of the Christian into the churches, um, and, and that is a tactic and a, and a way that Christ is being lessened. You know, that's why I love the power of this message, um, that we're exalting him to the place where he belongs, but also exposing how uh, the, the, the power of Christ is being attacked, you know, and it's being attacked through the people that we are becoming as Christians. You know, and that's something that we really do have to take a look at. I thought that was very powerful today. Um, we have to recognize that partly so that we do not end up falling into those same traps, right? So the, so we we who believe that we love the Lord, you know, ultimately we end up being further and further away from him. You know what I mean? And so I think that a teaching like this helps to bring awareness to that so that we can even say, well, what am I doing, though? You know, am I falling further and further away from the standard that is Christ? So then I'm a part of the problem, you know, so... I think that was really important. You talked about if we're uncomfortable. This is so key. You know, we've been talking about this in Sunday schools. We've been going through the pedigree messages over and over again. And that is, you said this today, if we're uncomfortable with being the answer to the world's problems, and Christianity suffers a loss. You know, that is huge um, because it's an identity thing. You know what I mean? So it's, it's about us being uncomfortable with what makes us who we are as Christians and us having to reconcile that in our own heart and soul, you know, our own embarrassment, our own humiliation even. Like we're almost humiliated by being powerful, humiliated by being different. Um, It's an embarrassment to us that we're the standard. You know, that's why you have trunk or treats. You know, that's why you have churches offering yoga classes. You know, we are embarrassed of our own cross. You know, so I think that that's huge. Um, just really powerful what you said today about that. And, and again, our inferiority issues was the phrase that you used. Absolutely. You know, um, uh, the, even the fear of being inferior, the fear of being rejected. You know, but again, I think that that speaks back to a policy I showed you just several weeks ago about um, just the, the condition of our pastorate, the condition of our church leadership, that you have all of these people taking the realms of churches who are bitter with God, who are bitter with their childhoods, um, who are angry with their parents for holding them to any kind of standard, for excluding them from worldly activities, right? So that same kid that was had his arms crossed was so mad at school because his mom said no Halloween. Or, you know, his mom said she, he's not doing Valentine's Day parties and all those different things. That kid who felt shamed to be different then, he's your pastor. He's your pastor. So now your church is carrying the, the, the banner of humiliation and shame that that eight-year-old kid felt because he couldn't do Halloween and he couldn't do Valentine's Day and all those different things. Um, and because there's no vetting, as we've talked about on this show, you know, then that's what you get. So I just think that was a really powerful connection uh, that you made today. Good example. I'm especially impressed with the, the fact that even the, the vendors, the purveyors of Halloween, they're the, they're the people who were angry because their friend couldn't trick-or-treat with them. So they're going to make sure they market this thing and merchandise it because nothing is without an emotional motive. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's always tied to a historical memory, historical 
uh, event. So these are people, I'm like, and these are people mad with church. And, and, and because people are mad with church and people are mad with God, you get mad with Christ. You pick up, you realize, you have picked up a lot of, of people's issues with the Almighty because you're picking up Satan's failure. His failure. God defeated him on the cross. He's got a problem with that. So, yeah, he wants to turn Resurrection Sunday into Ishtar fertility. Yeah, he wants you hunting eggs and bunnies yeah. Yeah. instead of seeking salvation. Because he's hot. He's hot because he's lost. All of this stuff, and, and you have pastors who say, yeah, but who are we? I am an offspring of Godhead. So just ask me who I am. I'm Yes, I am. Who are you? Are you sure? Bodily. Right here. And we're going to start giving the right answers. But I just don't believe in Christianity. You don't have to. You don't have to believe in Christianity, but you may not believe I should sing, but that doesn't mean that I can't win a war. Your unbelief doesn't mean a thing to us. Not a thing other than we hope you get saved. Because some of y'all are sinners, future sinners, you know, future relatives. And we're not forgetting that. But understand, just because you say you don't believe in me doesn't mean I should not believe in myself. We People beat those eyes all the time. You know, I don't believe you should be a, a singer. You're like, I'm a I got a voice and going to sing. But I don't believe you should be a singer. I just don't. I just don't. It just doesn't bear witness. I don't care. It just don't buy my stuff. See, the strong Christian is coming forward. And we're standing at the pedigree of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're standing as the children of the Godhead, of God Most High. We stand as those who pass from death to life. We stand as those who will be filled with all the fullness of God. We stand as one who is an offspring of him who holds all things in his hand. I am fine. I love it. And I love the gospel. And I'm so excited because I got a pedigree gospel. Okay? But I am so not letting it happen. I'm not going to say, and I'm telling you, I started out all nervous and weak built too. Because you don't know. Because you, you don't realize that you, you so buy into that God has to pull that out of your soul. Bit by bit by bit by bit. And it takes a long time. But, you, but the just shall live by faith. And so until I have gotten, become the full manifestation, I'm facing it. Did you have something to say? Yeah. I think that's one of the statements of the day. I didn't get saved to be Satan with a Christ label. You like that one? Yeah. yeah. That could be on a T-shirt. Yeah. That could be on a lot of things. Because, again, we really, I don't know, we we walk around believing that there are no counterfeits in, yeah. in Christianity. Yeah. And we are raised to believe that's not possible, which is, I think, why people walk around with those blinders and that ignorance and that denial. Mm -hmm. Because we're really told, whether blatantly or it's implied, that if you say these words, it's real, it happened, and yes, it's irreversible, nobody can take your salvation from you, and you can't lose it, and nobody is really doing it who just doesn't want to be there. And everybody on the planet secretly. Yes. Once we say they just don't know it. They don't know. And that there's no way to be a fake preacher because you really have to be saved in order to preach that Bible. Yes. 
And so we won't even we won't even open up to you. No, 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 you know you can't read that unless you're saying those words make no sense. Oh, I mean that's really what we teach that you can't, and that nobody would want to mislead you in Christianity. And so we are sitting ducks for imposters, mm-hmm. fakes, duplicates, apostates, everything. We're sitting ducks because we have no alarm system. You know, we're like the people. You know, I watch all these crime shows, and they'll say, well, the crime is committed, and go check the cameras, and they'll say, well, you know what, they were never connected because the owner just never thought they needed them, mm-hmm. but legally they had to have them. And so they were sitting ducks for a crime to be committed and no defense system, no way to go and check and see who did it because we just never thought it would happen to us. No, no. And that's really where we are right now as a church. As Christians, defending the devil within. That's what we're doing. We're defending devils in pulpits, defending devils in praise teams, defending devils in our houses, in our children, in our parents and spouses. We're defending devils all over the place. I mean, God can't get a place on defense. No, no. No, no. Because Because that's that's religion. That's not God. That's religion. So you don't think devil means religion? Because devils are not, you know, physical. I mean, they've got some sharing like Jesus, but. But let's get real. When we start talking devils, we're talking spirituality. Yeah. Ghostbusters. They're not, not walking in there looking for somebody who has a body temperature. You no, know? Not at all. Not at all. Flesh and blood. They ain't trying to. They they're know they're, they're looking about. for the one that looks like a person. Yes. But is it? I'm like, so the point is we have bought Satan's complaint. Mm-hmm. We bought into his complaint. We bought into his injuries to Christ. We bought into his injuries from losing to Christ. We have bought into his offspring criticism because they want to live like hell and go and, and, and turn it into heaven. See, Satan wanted to turn heaven into his hell. And he's not changed. You know, and so he's talked you out of one to go. You don't want to be here. It's just so boring. I mean, it's just boring. You know, it's only word. It's only word. It's just. You know, is it fun in there? No, no fun. Fluffy clouds. I mean, you know, how, how long you want to hang out on a cloud? And, you know, in blue sky. I mean, aren't you going to get tired of blue? Can we get something else? And I'm looking at this Bible, and I'm listen, looking at this man's history and the things that he's doing now, and I said, you know, God, you know that was a lie here. God is rolling. I mean, he is, if you read the book of Revelation, there's, they're trying to get some rest. Mm-hmm. Right. If, we, if we could just stop right. coming into existence, right. they could probably get a little rest. Yeah. <laughs> they try. <laughs> they try to get rest. But Satan has you looking at, you know, the wonderful little Watchtower magazines. Everybody, all the high color. I always like the color. High color magazines. <laughs> I did. Didn't you like the color? It was so nice. I mean, you know, I, I was always upset that I knew I would never make that 144 pounds. No. That always bothered me. And I said, and then I see there's psychology to that. So why try? Oh, yeah. So why try? But I'm like, God is talking about, they're talking about lightning bolts. They're talking about, I mean, Deborah. Deborah is having a fight on earth. She's sorting, and they are lightning bolting. The angels are fighting from their courses in heaven, and it's cosmic. I was like, wait a minute. We, because we get stuck in the, the carnal issue. Mm-hmm. She was a woman. Yeah. 
And she wasn't really a fighter. No. She really fight. no, 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 no. She was under a tree, sipping on some tea, that girl was holding court, begging the men to help her. Yeah. Like the men went through her girlfriend's house to get a man. Yeah. Last night, see other children. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I know. That's my JL. She got she probably got a tip pen sitting in the closet somewhere, <laughs> waiting for the sister to come in there and just, mm. I was like, here you go. Here you go. And but when you think about it, I said, but then he wants us to, you know, he's like, and I should know because I was there. Yeah, but check it down. Dude, I'm never gonna let that die. <laughs> I'm never gonna miss anything. And, and you're still out. You know? And if, if you, you're so far out, they took your credentials, they took your paper, they took your power pack. You can't even get back in there. You don't have power pack. They took all that, and then they gave you a whole new identity. Yeah. He had identity change. Yeah. No way was protected. No, no. God needs to 
you may say a lot of things publicly. What we hear from your mouth is not what God discerns from your heart. Mm-hmm. And God says, I am a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. He's back to the heart. God's the heart, man. It's all about the heart. And so you hear people, they come up with one stage always. Say this other preacher that didn't want people to stay home because they were they were feeling the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Well, you might not come to church, bring your time. You know, we, we took their ticket to Catholics for their penance and their forgiveness for the Protestants the same thing. We just do it under a different doctrine, doctrine of God. We do the same thing. Oh, don't worry about it. God won't care. Oh, don't worry about it. God doesn't mind. I mean, I've talked to preachers talking about, well, you know, God allowed them to have sexual relationships because they have needs. You think Jesus didn't have a need? When he came, the man created the need and everything, bugs, birds, flowers, everything. I'm sure he can figure that out. But didn't he? Yeah. He created the need and everything. Birds, birds got a little bugs over there, wars over here, and bees, honeybees over there, and we got all of the songs about that, little critters. The birds, that little little animals, little teeny insects. Yeah. I'm sure he could work. They pretty much got that covered. And you know what he said? But of all that thou has given me, I will lose nothing. And so you think that God is going to forgive you because you can't manage your needs? But he said, fornicators are one of the first going into hell. Because you know what? Because see, you're gonna be trying to take that this world, and you're gonna take the brandy new body he's gonna give you. And run up on somebody. We're gonna have we're gonna have Lucifer all over again. Okay. <laughs> like, where's the truth, isn't it? We're supposed to get a new body. You can't get in God's world without a new body. You can't. This body can't fly. You can't try. And so you're gonna have a brand new body, and you're gonna have God's appreciation of your needs. Because you've already gotten this new body, so you assume He's approved. Now, I'm just giving you this, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I am making a prophecy out of it because it is a prophecy for you to believe that. But, so now you're getting heaven, and we got, oh, my gosh, you guys have all day rights again, okay? No, we got like, wait, never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Especially, and nobody marries in God's world, and you're going to try to reinstitute marriage and try to make, well, we did it on earth, it worked out fine. I just don't understand, I mean, my feet saying me didn't work out that well. No. As a matter of fact, did you notice that's not the earth that you know? And so I say that, and yeah, I do joke about it because I like to give up a little bit of commerce to do it. Look, Excel. But I want you. (laughs) 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 Excuse me, but I want you to understand that God didn't make a mistake in setting his world up the way he did. And he is not going to make a mistake. Since God can't make a mistake, it would be a mistake for him to put a fornicator in his eternal realm when he doesn't have an institution called marriage. So that would be error. That would be error in judgment. So it it would be a mistake for God to have a liar in a population that doesn't have anything but truth. See, you're still dealing with theology. Because you're dealing with theology, you're making this a source fight. And this is not a sword fight. This is a civil, civil, literally citizen conformist to an internal life. This is not a sword fight. You think it is. So I'm not going to sit down and talk to you whether about Ishtar and Zeus and all of that. Are you kidding me? All the kids. That's part of one third that it's they don't work out. 
So I'm not I'm not deluded by that. So we don't want to talk about whatever they do. We don't want to talk about all of these various religions because we don't even want to count. Because every other religion is just an exercise in darkness. Huh? Oh, okay. I'm in. So did you want to put another thing in there, especially with the young people in this generation coming up? Uh, <laughs> you know, even thinking about, you know, today being Halloween and Christian yeah. engagement. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think it's important uh, that, especially for our young people, that we teach them more than just a list of do's and don'ts, but we, we help them understand reverence, loyalty, things of that nature. I think especially when talking with young people, you gotta, you have to make it much more broad, mm-hmm. right? Because if we just isolate and we don't really help them understand what it is to be in service to your God, you know, and what that looks like, um, then it makes it difficult for them because then they then they do grow up that bigger kid that just didn't understand. You know, you're just basically you're just withholding. Like, what is this? Um, so I think it's important that we we make that subject much more broad when we're dealing with our young people. It's not just about this one isolated day. No, it's just about our paganistic rituals and practices, period, and where they come from, you know, and helping helping our young people understand uh, just God's mentality on the culture of this world, the culture of death and what it produces um, and why he does, why he literally fought so hard to create a sub thing for us mm-hmm. as his people. And he's been doing that from the beginning, you know, always telling Israel to separate themselves, always telling them, telling them to distinguish themselves so that his blessings could run freely in their in their nation, in their people. So I think it's about, it has to be much more of a broad thing with our young people than just your list of do's and don'ts. And parents, you can't shy away from talking about it because of the lack of education that you have. You have to then step out and get the education yeah. about these days, about these rituals, about these practices, so that you can actually really help your young people understand why we don't engage in that as a, as a family. Powerful. Well, as a, a testimony to that, working with our young people, uh, one of the teenagers, well, a couple young people, but their mom is in my small group. Mm-hmm. A Monday call small group, and we were talking about something about that on Monday's call. And Prophet Samira was with them when you were out of town, and so you meet with them every month dealing with these cultural issues. And she was pleasantly surprised because they had one of the other young girls in the church, she was taking her home or something, and a, a Christian artist song came on satellite radio. Mm-hmm. And the young people began to have this whole discussion of how they could pinpoint why this song was not really a Christian song. Hmm. And she was like, okay, this is not a Christian song, even though this is a Christian. And began to say because this and this and this and this. And of their own accord, from the training and explanation and really honest discussion with them as young people, they were able to defend all by themselves and conclude this is God, and we're not listening to it. It turned it off. That must really touch your heart and your kids, you know. I like this phrase you said: "Jesus gives visions, Satan gives nightmares." Yep. And he really does only have one transmission: Satan. And that is a nightmare. Totally. How interesting. Or false visions. Or false, yeah. Because he'll give us, like, a, you know, the divination false visions. He'll still give those because they are his consent. And he still needs our will. He needs children to buy into what he's doing and then to release it, their authority to him to get it done. Because that authority was taken from him. 
by the cross. So he has no authority in the earth. He has genius in the earth. A lot of times his offspring makes you think he has authority because they do fight to put themselves in seats of authority. We don't. We, we waiting for the mothership. Okay? And one of the things that I'd like to say, we only have a few more minutes left, so I would like to talk about um, even the whole con, the judgment con. You can't judge me. First of all, I need everybody out there listening to me to do a deep dive study of the word judge. Because it is not just criticism. Right. It is not just accusation. As a matter of fact, more than anything, judging is, assessment, is an assessment made in order to render a decision. And that decision doesn't have to be done. And so when we think about this and we start talking about what God is doing and how he's making, you know, the Christians are getting bolder, you're going to be accused of judging, and you need to let them know, I'm not judging, I'm assessing. And my assessment of this situation is that it's unfavorable to me. Now, if you find it favorable, that's fine. But I'm not going to buy into your resentment of my intelligence. I'm intelligent enough. Just, I mean, because we act like it's just because of oh, Hallelujah, bless us. But we act like Christians have no intelligence. God's got brilliant people out there. He's got some amazingly bright leaders, thinkers, thought leaders out there. So we can't assume that. But I have to deal with the populace. Right now, I'm in a place where I deal with the general population. And the general population are the ones that are getting bludgeoned with words like, don't judge me. And what, first of all, what do you mean, judge? And what aspect of judge are you talking about? It's saying something I don't like. Oh, okay. Oh, so you're, oh, you're offended. Um, yeah, that's, that's what we brought it down to, is you're saying something that I don't like and I don't agree with. And so that's the default answer. Well, you know, and that's your fault. <laughs> that's all I got to say. That's your fault. And your default doesn't have to become my fault. You have to think differently, people. We have to think differently. Your, just because your, your offense does not become my fault. That is your fault. And that is on you. But you're not going to book about who are you to know. Mm-mm. And I'll tell you, I told God, I said, I know that's not particularly my calling. But I'm going to tell you right now, I am never going to be the judge, the one that's going to say, well, I'm going to just go along with, I'm not going to go along to get along because I don't have to be with you. <laughs> well, well, you know, because we have, well, the first thing I think we had to do was completely disregard the law mm-hmm. of God. Mm-hmm. And from okay. that, we can say, who are you to judge? Mm-hmm. Because you can only say that when you believe there are no laws. Right. And that's like somebody stealing food because they're hungry, or let's just say because they don't have money. Mm-hmm. Let's say that. And they don't feel like they should have to pay for it because they think that business will make it if I just take this croissant mm-hmm. off of the shelf and not pay for it. And that owner brings the law down on them for stealing. They, their response is not, well, you can't judge me. Mm-hmm. Because the judgment has already uh, on on the book mm-hmm. before you took the croissant. Yes. And since we have, you said what I want for lunch. And since we lunch. have said that this is yes, what time is it? Okay. Since we said this is no longer the law and God, da, 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 so on and so forth. So there's no law anymore. Now in our discussion, now we say, which we've been saying for a long time, but who are you to judge? You can't judge. 
this really no standard because this is about my personal salvation with Jesus Christ, and he didn't convict me about stealing or taking that croissant. Would you know? Since you shut him down, you don't go to prayer, you don't visit with the Lord, you don't go to church, whatever, and he don't convict you, he probably doesn't even remember you on the book. I mean, you might not have ever been on the book because you might be one of those never knew. So, okay. Are you in my family? I don't remember seeing you. You know? I mean, you're not. But I will tell you this about the law of God. God had a law before he had a land. You can play this card with people. Now, it is true that Jesus says about when you're doing brother to brother, that's one type of law. And, 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 and you need to have mercy not judge. But if you're talking about official to population, citizen of the kingdom, we got to have laws. There are laws. God has laws. He has laws, even under the New Testament. He has the law of God. He has the law of the, the church, the church law. He has the law of his officials, his ministers, his authorities. Why is he talking about authorities unless if he has no law? You know, and then we have the commandments of the apostle. When you look up the word commandments of the apostle in the New Testament, it falls under law. Mm-hmm. Apostles are supposed to legislate. Right. Hopefully they will legislate based on how God's been legislating since he started making stuff. <laughs> Wouldn't that be an ideal thing? We don't always want to do that. But the bottom line is the law has many things. We've got the law of the midwife. We've got the law of the priest. Mm-hmm. We've got the law of burnt offerings. We got the law of this. We got the law of Christ. You understand it? We got the law of the priest. There are many, many laws. So which law is done away with? The one that we don't like. The one that is preventing me from doing what I want to do. <laughs> that's the one that's no longer around. Exactly. You know, Jesus never did away with counsel. Well, I, I was just going to say. I was just going to say that you know. <laughs> That that whole phrase "Don't judge me" really has just become the new way of saying "mind your own business." Yeah, that's really what is. people are saying. You know what I mean? It, you know, we just throw um throw around words today. But that's that's essentially what that is. Get out of my face and mind your own business. That's really what that is. Don't don't get in my affairs. Uh, because the reality is, to even make the statement "Don't judge me," you're making a judgment. You're judging me. I'm judging you. You're making an assessment that I'm judging you. So um, we throw around words, but I, I think it's so important. You know what the point that you're bringing out. Uh, about this right now is a conversation that we really need to have. Well, we do. And like now, when people say that's under the law, I can, my intelligence is going to say which one, which part, right. from what place. Yeah. Because, see, the laws of heaven have never changed. Paul says that in Romans 7. The laws of eternity, the laws of God's immaterial world, is complete, or I should say immortal world, haven't changed. He said the law is spiritual and good and meant to bring life. Because God's law was to bring life, bring his life to the realm of mortals. That's why he made the law. He did that. Romans 5 says as much. God's law was to bring life. But the sinfulness of humanity and the sin dominion of the powers of darkness in this world caused that light to be neutralized. And then... Because it was meant to bring life. Oh, you know, people do that with me. Oh, man, great revelation. That's great. This is good. Wonderful. 
we're going to do that. We're going to do that right now. <laughs> Rachel's going to put it on the screen for you who are watching on Facebook for us that you can give via cash, PayPal, and you can also give via text to give 203-6625, area code 918 for text to give, and then paypal.me slash Dr. Paula Price. Her cash app tag is Dr. Paula Price. And we are still taking uh, donations gifts for taking it on Webathon and you, your support of season two, season three, and beyond. We're still doing that. So you can still visit us at takingiton.com so you can find out how you can become a regular supporter of what Dr. Price is doing. Listen, some of you, God was pressing you when this Webathon was going on and you didn't have the resources at the time, but you made a vow as you were watching the program and you said, I'm going to do this when my resources open up. And for some of you, those resources opened up this week. You need to go ahead and make good on that word and pray. fulfill what you told God that you would do. So takingiton.com is how you can sow to future seasons of the Paula Bryce Show on every kind of outlet that you can possibly think of. But go ahead and take a moment to sow a seed for today's broadcast. If this was a blessing to you, you know it was. So that's everybody. So go ahead and take a moment to sow a seed for today. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for today. And today in particular, God, I'm asking for you to visit your people. I'm asking for you to visit their souls and visit their hearts and, and truly map out your path for their existence in the earth and their reason for being in your family. God, I cover your people. I cover them with the blood of oil. I protect our children by the spirit of the living God. God, I'm asking that you will protect them wherever the weather is and get, bring them home safely. And God, I'm asking that you will bring, convict your people, convict your people of their idolatry. And Lord, letting the ideology of a devil determine the God they worship and choose. I'm asking that you would receive their repentance, grant them forgiveness, and God, cleanse them by the blood of the Lamb, and let's bring us all back into fellowship and oneness with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. See you Sunday at the Congregation of the Mighty, where Praise God stands. Hey, hallelujah. God bless Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.